a message for liberals and the mainstream media. You can't handle the truth! So, buckle up, snowflakes, because we're about to deliver the politically direct best in conservative commentary, news, and investigative reports. We're telling the truth, and we're not gonna stop. Okay, liberals, back under the bridge with the rest of your fellow trolls, and oh yeah, Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots. They are special, special people on RSPRadio1.com. Welcome to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot and Diane Sorry at the Patriot Factor. It's Tuesday night, the 6th of December, and welcome to it. Hello, Diane. Hello, Craig, and how are you this evening? I'm feeling pretty good. Good. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been nice here. Not, not you know, you wouldn't consider it nice, but it's, you know, weather's been nice around here. And, you know, oh, well. it's, uh, <clears throat> we had, uh, it was about 41, 42 degrees today. Oh, dear, that's cold. <laughs> right now, we're in our picture-perfect weather. Today was just about 80 degrees, 79, 80 degrees. And tonight is going to be anywhere between about 62 to 64. So right. we're really basking in paradise right now with no rain in sight for at least 10 days. You know what I'm looking forward to is Sunday. Why? That's when Artemis comes back. Ah, that's true. I thought you were going to say something. Oh, it's stupid football or something. No, 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 no. Artemis, uh, yes. Artemis comes back on Sunday. Yeah, I'm already logged on to the site to see everything. You know, that's been a interesting. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> excuse me. It's been an interesting little trip to follow. It it uh, made that big giant loop around the backside of the moon and. Yep. You know, and and now it's on its way back, and it's supposed to splash down Sunday. Yeah, that should be interesting. I believe it's about 3 in the afternoon, isn't it? Yeah, I think so, right in the middle of the afternoon. Yeah, Yeah. in the middle of the day, yeah. But, um, hey, look, it's a first step back to the moon. It is. You know, it'll be interesting. I mean, you know, they've, they've collected a lot of data. On this little mm-hmm. flip around the moon. And it'll be interesting to see what they've got. Now, we've seen some of the photos uh, that Artemis shot autonomously uh, right. as it went around the moon. Some of those pretty interesting to look at, too. Yeah, because we really haven't been there in decades, you know, to take these kind of pictures. So it is quite fascinating, really. You know, we'll see how that all goes on Sunday. Tonight... Uh, We've got a big show planned. We're going to tell you about it here in just a second. But before we do that, we also want to let you know we're keeping an eye on the vote tally in Georgia. Yes. 
<coughs> and right now we're at zero. I believe, but I'm not positive that the polls should have just closed. Uh, right now I'm showing zero votes, you know, counted at all across all Georgia counties, but I'll keep flipping back and forth. Yeah, we'll we'll keep you up to date, you know, if there's any any breaking news in that regard, we'll keep you up to date. Uh, now, okay. okay, Craig, wait. Wait. What? We just got it. They said it's too early to call. Okay. But right now, Warnock is 74.1% to Walker's 25.9%. Well, but how many, you know, uh, what percentage of the vote is in? I mean, we don't know. Uh, we have Augusta is in as well as uh, Brantley. Okay. Uh, I know Augusta Gee, it's is... it's amazing how fast, you know, they can tally this, but California took a month I know. to figure out all their congressional... Oh, another county just... No, this is very bad for Warnock. Brantley came in at 89.1 for Walker, 10.9 for... Uh, I'm sorry, I got it the other way around. Warnock got... Nope, they just... Very strange... They just brought it back down to zero. <laughs> All right. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, we're, we're not going to break in every 30 seconds. No. Uh, and, no. and tell you what the score is on that deal. But but we'll keep an eye on it. We'll keep you up to date. Now, tonight on the show, Diane, you're talking about voting sanctity and integrity lost. Yes. Okay. I kind of had it with this midterms because um i'm sorry they were not true to true to form as they say well and and i'm talking about the midterms as well but just slightly in a different uh light i guess than than you are <clears throat> i'm covering oh the wonders of technology you know, and Diane yeah, mentioned just a couple of minutes up. ago that, that uh, it took a month to count up the votes in California. So that's kind of what I'm dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just um, take it from that because uh, I've got a solution in what I'm going to present tonight on how we can get back election integrity. And it's very simple. Well, that means it'll never happen. Of course. <laughs> I mean, that's the way that always works, right? Of course, you're absolutely right. Let's start with some quick hitters. We start on the left coast. Gavin Newsom, the uh, governor out there in California, uh, he's going to go after big oil. He's going to target their giant profits. Yeah, what Newsom forgets is he's basing this on the high prices of gas in California. But what he forgets, the gas companies are not who sets the gas prices. No, I mean, you know, a barrel of oil costs what a barrel of oil costs. Refining costs what refining costs. Right. Now, if you're looking at California... You've got to understand, folks, they've got the most sky-high fuel taxes of any state in the nation. Right. So they're causing their own problem of higher gas than anywhere else in the country. You lower those taxes, 
those taxes, folks, go to the government. They don't go to the oil companies. No, the they help the oil companies. is making more monies off the high gas prices than they would if the gas prices were reasonable for purchasers. You know, oil companies... Yeah, you know, and I, you know, when you talk about oil company profits, you know, you're talking in the billions, you know, Mm -hmm. billions and billions, right? But oil companies only make a few cents profit per gallon, right? And most people don't understand that they they think, oh, well, you know, they got to be making a dollar, dollar fifty a gallon. No, 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 no. Um, they're, they're not making very much profit at all per gallon. It all adds up because you got a handful of companies supplying oil to the whole of the United States. But this idea of going after the uh, profits on oil companies, it's, it's a screwy way to say we're going to jack up the taxes on the oil companies. Now, anytime you jack up taxes on any corporation, I don't care what it is. It could be Shell Oil. It could be Burger King. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, if you jack up the taxes, the people that pay those taxes are the consumers, not the companies. Right. And what they're, you know, also forgetting here in why California's gas prices are so high is they have the highest environmental regulations than any state in the country. And whose fault is that? Newsom and crew. Yeah, they did that to themselves over the past several decades. Now, what Gavin Newsom says he's going to do here is he's going to put a cap, a cap on their profits. But in his plan... He never says what the cap is. He never says in the plan what he considers to be overly high profits either. Well, here here's another thing. Who the hell is he to put a cap on a private company? Well, that's, that's the liberal way. See, if you can get away with it once, you can get away with it with anything. Well, you'd think the people in California would start to, you know, fight back. Instead of taking off and trying to, you know, pollute our red states with your liberal ideology, if you're so miserable that you have to leave, why don't you stay and fight back by the ballot box? You guys, including you who are leaving California, voted in this idiot. You know, here's my thought. If I'm an oil company, oil company X, okay, and uh, I would I would um, get together with oil company Y and Z at the same time, and if Newsom caps my profits in a free country, <clears throat> I would exercise my freedom and let California run dry. I would say no more oil for you, California. Yeah, yeah. You know what people forget is if he does put this cap on gases, it's actually going to raise the price of gas. I know because, you know, the the oil company, well, and it's going to make gas scarce. And when gas gets scarce, the price goes up. Right. So supply and demand, folks, you know, Newsom must have failed uh, civics 101. And economy 101. 
and you know, economies of one it, shore. It's, it's just the way it works. But yes. if, I, if I was the oil companies and they're capping my profit margin, I'd tell them to go pound sand and I'd make sure they didn't get a drop of oil until they lifted that cap. True. Well, really what they should actually do is impeach him. Just get him out of there. You, you, you know what letting the uh, California run dry would do? There's people out there I know right now listening to this and they're saying, well, Craig, you can't do that. You know, the oil co- that hurt the oil companies. No, it wouldn't. And I'll tell you why. Because that would be more oil they could sell in the other 49 states. And that right. would drop and the price in the other 49 the states. across the country. Yeah. And it would stop Biden from touching our, na- um, you know, our oil reserves, which are critical. Um, here's a little update on the Georgia race. Per county... Walker is actually winning. However, Warnock is getting all the big populated counties. Well, but those are the and big blue counties. So, you know, those right, are the big blues. The, right. He he completely gets Atlanta, Augusta, Columbia, uh, Maycomb, and a few others. And even if Warnock, uh, Walker got the whole rest of the state, he can't win. That's what it's starting to look like. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll keep you up to date as we move along. Ron DeSantis, the guy nobody's ever heard of. No. <laughs> uh, Ron DeSantis literally went after the media. And, and this is wonderful because the media put out a big hit piece on DeSantis, and he told them, you're going to starve now. Yeah. He doesn't take crap from anybody. And what they did was basically accuse him of building his own alternate conservative media, which is nonsense. What is it? I've never heard of it. Well, what, what DeSantis has decided to do, he's not doing interviews on the mainstream media because they twist everything that a Republican or a conservative says. He's going to pick and choose where he does his interviews. Also, as they push him to fight with Trump, he's not even going there. Nope, not taking the bait. He's not taking, right, the liberal bait. They want a fight. The media wants a fight between Trump and DeSantis. And while Trump is, you know, doing his part, DeSantis is staying above the fray and not fighting back. And these media outlets are getting very mad at that. Well, yeah, because he's no not engagement. Yeah, he's not playing the game. Right. You know, now DeSantis said. the reason why DeSantis 2024. <laughs> DeSantis said that he he's not going to make an announcement on 2024 until May. So we still got May. five, six months to go. Yeah, but what he did do, and it's coming out after the first of the year, he uh, published a book or will be publishing a book on how he governed Florida and how he kept us free during the COVID pandemic. He kept businesses open, restaurants open, schools, our schools were the first to open, uh, and he's publishing this book. Now, usually when a... Man or woman announces that they're running for president. 
in that year before they usually do publish a book. Now, this could be nothing. He could just have had this planned all along, whether he was going to run or not. Nobody knows. But I'll tell you, our country can use a man like Ron DeSantis as president. Absolutely. Trump without the baggage. He's it, Trump it, without the baggage. Yeah, you know, I, I did an article uh, a few weeks ago uh, on that, and I called him Trump without being Trump. Yeah. You know, and I that's really what it comes down to. I call him Trump without the baggage and a hell of a lot more polished. <laughs> well, it'll be interesting to see what goes on. Um, yes. You know, but for now, he's he's going to let the mainstream media starve. Now, you'll still see him on Fox and you'll still see him on, you know, the, the out, outlets that he chooses. Right. But but when the CNNs and MSNBCs and CBS, ABC, NBC, when they come to him, nope, take a hike. Right. He will still talk to certain newspaper editorial boards. He still goes on te- uh, Telemundo. He does updates on the Hurricane Ian recovery. It's not that he's not talking to the media at all. He's just picking media outlets that are a little more fair, let's say, than the uh, liberal media. Right. You know, that aren't going to try and spin everything he says uh, against him and and the Republican Party. I mean, um, he he sees what's going on. He's, you know, he he was a Navy JAG officer. He's reasonably intelligent. Right. He sees what's going on, and he doesn't want to play the game, and he's not. No, not at all. And remember, he's a Navy SEAL, too, so he's, you know, got that toughness in him to stand up to these media uh, loons, if you will. I can think of a few worse words than loons, but let's yeah, well, keep it clean and call them loons. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's keep it family-friendly. Right. So this is a good strategy, not speaking to the mainstream media and not engaging Trump. We'll see how it works. You yes, know, we will. Time, time will tell. Uh, the House is set to repeal, probably on Thursday, the vax mandates for the military. Now, I find this very interesting because... It's going to take some Democrats to go along with this to repeal those vax mandates. And what, Diane, they've only been in force for a year, but they never should have been in force at all. No, because they have basically turned away thousands of recruits. Our recruiting for this period is way under the numbers that it should be because these men and women stood strong and said, we do not want the vaccine. It has not been proven safe. And people in our age group are dying after receiving the vaccine. So now the National Defense Authorization Act will include a provision repealing the COVID-19 vaccine mandate for service members. Now, you know who's got their panties in a wad over this is the woke Pentagon. Oh, well, of course. You know, they're, they're like, oh, you can't do this, you know. And people people have died of this disease. Well, I'll tell you what, it's almost even now. Almost as many people have died from the vaccine as died from the disease. 
Not only that, more and more people who are having the new booster series are coming down with COVID. It's, 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 That's it's, just a fact, folks. And I know some personally. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't get away from it. The, the facts yeah. are the facts. And, you know, they've thrown a lot of good military people out of the military. One of the yeah. things that's not in the NDAA is any provision to bring any of those people back. And I would think, you know, if they jettison this mandate for the vaccines, would those people have any case to go against them? I believe they might. You know, they can go in and re-enlist. Just because you're turned down once doesn't mean that you're turned down again if you apply. But what's interesting about this also is that McCarthy has vowed that the military vaccine mandate will end or the national defense bill will not be moving forward. Well, and, and good for him for, for you know putting his foot down. I hope it stays down. So do uh, I. You know, I don't, don't really trust McCarthy all that far. But no. let no. me ask you this. So they, they, um, they kill it off uh, in this bill. Can, is there anything Trump can do about it? Or, I mean, uh, Biden can do about it? Well, he always has the power of the veto, but I'm not sure if this type of bill has to go to the Senate and then back. I, I'm not 100% sure how this works because there's a lot of um, not just political ramifications, but certain things have to follow military protocol right. as well. So I don't know if if Biden would still be able to veto this. I mean, let's say he does. Then what? Then I guess it's, it stays as is, and, and our military is screwed. Well, they would have to either rewrite the bill to put the language in there to keep it, because you can't do line-item vetoes. So right. he would have to veto the entire NDAA. Um, and if he does that, he's going to have real bad blowback. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so it gets more interesting by the moment. But, you know, I don't put it past the Democrats to say, well, we're going to we're going to take this vax mandate out and then Biden vetoes it. And they say, well, we got it. We got to fund the military. So I guess we're going to have to put it back in, knowing all along that they were never going to actually get rid of it. I don't put anything past them. No, I don't either. And what they're doing is they're playing a very dangerous game. You know, the world is like a powder keg right now. The war in Ukraine has escalated a bit with Ukrainian drones hitting into Russian territory. We're going to need our military on standby at least as the couple of months go by here. And we don't have the manpower. You know, we just don't have it. Last Friday, they gave the public the very first glimpse of the new B-21 Raider. Right. Okay. Yeah, supersonic, bomber, stealth, all this. And they only pulled it halfway out of the hangar when they gave the public their first glimpse. Now, right. was that because they didn't want anybody to see the rest of the plane? Or was it because they didn't have enough manpower to get the whole thing out of the hangar? <laughs> Yeah, probably they didn't want everybody to see the plane. I would assume it looks um, like the it looks like the B two 
I mean, it does. It looks like yeah, the B2. Bigger, beefier, but still looks like the B2. It's a cool thing. But, you know, we've lost a lot of airmen. We've lost a lot of sailor, sailors, a lot of troops uh, from the Army, uh, from from uh, even the, the uh, Coast Guard, the Marines. You know, we've lost a lot of people because they've been kicked out of the military. So Right. Over a vaccine that is now causing more problems than it's helping. And uh, this is a very sad situation. But this is what happens when your military becomes woke. When you have a commander-in-chief who has no idea how to command. (laughs) Well, there's that. Right. And, you know, when you have a government that's pushing on the public basically unproven vaccines. They're experimental at best. Right. And it's going to scare off, let's say, children as they're required to get a series of shots before going into school. Some of the parents are going to say, hey, wait a minute. Yeah. And rightly so. Why is my child taking this, this, and this? Proven vaccines are not going to be given out as much as they need to be. And we're going to see a resurgence of things like polio and such. You know, because of this untested to the proper degree, rushed to market COVID nonsense. Just is what it is. Finally, in the quick hitters, Times Person of the Year. Hmm, who's yeah. it going to be? Well, I know who I would like it to be. I mean, Ron DeSantis is one of the choices. I, I've got I've got a different choice. Elon yeah. Musk. Elon Musk. I, I would agree with Elon Musk. I, I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, look what he's doing. I mean, you know, everybody's focused on Twitter right now, but you've got all the other companies too, and and namely SpaceX. The problem with e- with picking Elon Musk by a liberal rag like Time Magazine is the fact that he turned on the party that he once supported. Right. And that might knock him out. Another let's, one. Let's just be honest. They're not going to pick any conservative, anybody on the Republican side, anybody that even true. leans to the Republican side. True. However... Zelensky is on here as well. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Um, I and I'll tell you what. I don't know that I would make him the person of the year. I, I, you know, he's engaged in this war right now. The the country. I mean, he never got it completely cleaned up. Be, you know, corruption wise before the war started. Um. It's it, there's too much gray area right there, um, but I'll tell you. I'll tell you. You know, if you're looking at Zelensky, what about making the Ukrainian people the people of the year? Yeah, but that gets that gets a little. Uh, how should I put it? They tried to do that once. I remember. I know. A number of years ago, and it didn't go over very well. It never goes over very well, whoever they choose. I mean, you go back far enough, time chose Hitler 
as the person of the That's year. That's true. So. Well, they also have Liz Cheney and Janet Yellen on their list Oy. of possibilities. Good uh, Lord. But Joe Concha, and, and everybody on our side knows who he is, says he believes Zelensky will likely win, but that Elon Musk and Ron DeSantis deserve consideration. It should be between those three men. Oh, That's well. Joe Concha's uh opinion and i tend to agree with that but here i'm going to throw somebody in that's not on the list now okay comeback comeback person of the year who db netanyahu you know that's that would be an interesting choice yeah i i would support that so would i Folks, we've gotten almost to the bottom of the hour here, and we got to take another quick look at what's going on in Georgia right now. Warnock is up 57.65 to 42.61. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. it's so early in the counting, um, you know, well, it's it got, got a ways right. to go. It just it just changed. Warnock, 57.5%. Walker, 42.5%. Yeah, and you know, we'll we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, Doesn't so look f- good, though, folks. So far, they've only counted five hundred thousand ballots in the entire state. Uh, maybe right. six hundred thousand, about six hundred. But 000. the the main population centers are filling in blue. I don't think Walker's got much of a chance. That's my opinion at this point. I just don't see it happening. Right. Uh, 27% of the vote is in and counted. So, no, I don't see it. Um, Warnock just went up to 62.6%, and Walker went down to 37.4%. This this man was a Trump choice, and I can't believe in the entire state of Georgia that they did not have two better candidates, one from each side than these two. I, I know, but this is what we're stuck with watching tonight, folks. And like I said, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll keep you up to date as we go through the show. But right now, we got to take that bottom of the hour break because that's what we do. Get a couple of station IDs in. And when we come back, Diane's talking about voting sanctity and integrity lost. Stay with us. There's more Right Side Patriots after this. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sorry. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. 
On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out the National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. Radio1.com. Craig Andreessen from the National Patriot and Diane Sorry over there at the Patriot Factor. It's Tuesday night, the 6th of December. Welcome to it. If you miss any part of tonight's show, all you have to do is go to rspradio1.com. Tomorrow morning, click the podcast button, and there it is. Right there, sitting there, waiting for you. Okay, Diane, you and I are both kind of taking on the whole voting thing, uh, the 2022 midterm election. We're going at it from very different standpoints, very different angles tonight, but eventually we arrive at about the same destination. You're going to start this thing off with voting sanctity and integrity lost. Yes, and let's start by saying now that we're just about a month out from the red wave that wasn't, I've had time to compliment. Uh, contemplate on the sad fact that we lost across the midterm board because Republican Party leaders let us all down. Rhinos, for the most part, Mitch McConnell and crew were too busy and too cheap to help both Republican and conservative candidates running in what should have been easily won House and Senate races. Republicans had the platform, Republicans had the momentum, but Joe Biden's falsely spewed our democracy is at stake nonsense drew Democrat voters to the polls in higher numbers than it did Republican voters. And this was no matter that their party did not address the true issues concerning voters, as in record high inflation, rising gas prices, the increase in crime, and the invasion at our southern border, to name but a few. Uh, resonating with Republicans alone, I do not want to hear any Democrat whining about prices at the pump and or at the grocery store, for let them eat cake and choke on it, I might add. This midterm election, like the election of 2020, was rife with fraud, fraud we knew was coming yet did nothing about, even with Republican leaders knowing well that the Democrats would play dirty across the board. And with, as expected, almost all contested elections flipping to the Democrats, even when Republicans were way ahead at first tally count, the same excuses were given now as they were before. Voter irregularities, malfunctioning machines, mail-in ballots suddenly appearing that needed to be counted, tabulation errors or missteps, and the ever-popular the Democrats forgetting to tabulate both the dead and the illegal vote in what should have been a timely manner. Yet our Republican leaders stood by not uttering even a peep when we lost the Senate seat in Arizona after Blake Master suddenly saw his original lead not so slowly slipping away after his opponent, Mark Kelly, in what's called extended counting, pulled ahead. 
And the same goes for Arizona's governor's race, where Katie Hobbs, Arizona's current Secretary of State, whose job description includes being Arizona's chief elections officer slash overseer, pulled ahead of Republican Carrie Lake, again only when counting days were extended. Nice, huh? Craig, unethical to say the least, as Hobbs refused to recuse herself, conflict of interest and all, and yet Republican voices, for the most part, were nowhere then and are nowhere now to be found. You know, it's pretty easy to look at Arizona and say, well, there's your ground zero. But Arizona wasn't the only state involved in these types of shenanigans, which means you can easily suspect voter fraud going on in several different states, right? Absolutely, because like you said, this same scenario was seen in many different House, Senate, and governor's races. Extend the tally time, allowing the race for set seat to not so miraculously turn blue, even when a Republican was previously ahead. Nevada's Senate seat is another example of late counting and or suddenly appearing mail-in ballots, allowing for the Senate to remain in Democrat control. Also, isn't it odd? that the uber-liberal Associated Press called the Nevada Senate race for Democrat Senator Catherine Cortez Masto after a batch of votes from the Las Vegas area suddenly gave her a 5,000-vote lead that they alone determined she would not relinquish, even if Republican candidate Adam Laxalt made gains in rural Nevada counties that were yet still counting votes. Simply, Laxalt's 19,000-vote lead on election night fell to but 900 votes because of extended counting time, questionable for sure. So now it seems the liberal media is allowed to officially call an election even before all votes are counted. So it's no wonder that half this country has zero confidence in our election process, and rightly so. And they did this no matter that the December 6 Georgia runoff election between Republican Herschel Walker and Democrat incumbent Senator Raphael Warnock is now taking place. But in the scope of things, that race really doesn't matter. For all a Walker win would do is allow a 50-50 Senate split, split, I should say, with Lambring, Kamala Harris again being the deciding vote. However, with some Democrats claiming that a Warnock win would actually allow Joe Biden's agenda to become mansion-proof, so to speak, giving them 51 votes to Republicans, then 49 votes, thereby not needing Harris's tie-breaking vote. They best not count on it, for at times Joe Manchin has indeed done the right thing and voted with the Republicans against the Biden agenda. But also know that while we Republicans have gotten our hopes up in regards to Joe Manchin switching over to the red side of the aisle, when push came to shove, we were often let down when more times than not he caved to the Democrat elite. And yet with Manchin's now being hopping mad at Biden's remarks about completely shutting down America's coal industry, his state of West Virginia's main industry, I can only hope he goes Tulsi Gabbard on the Democrats 
even if he were to become an independent, which Craig would not only negate a Warnock win, but send the Senate majority over to our side on many key issues. Now, do you think that's actually going to happen or not? I mean, you know, you and I have thought that, you know, Joe Manchin might switch. We've we've talked about it for years because every once in a while he gets up ahead of steam and he gets mad at the Democrats, but he never changes. Do you think this might put him over the edge? Well, Craig, a girl can wish now, can't she? <laughs> Especially with it now being obvious that we Republicans need new leaders, new ideas, and new modes of messaging to take place. So with it having taken a week to announce that the Republicans had officially gained control of the House, something we suspected would happen on election night, albeit now by a very small margin, one has to wonder about not just the current lack of election integrity, but how do we restore honor to the election process itself? And the answer is quite simple, as in, we follow the law as set down in the Constitution. First, let's discuss who can and cannot vote. According to the First Amendment of the Constitution, voting is a right afforded to, quote, citizens of the United States. And note the word citizens, with the 15th Amendment specifically stating, quote, the right of citizens of the United States to vote. Again, Notice the all-important word citizens, for nowhere in the Constitution does it say that non-citizens, as in illegals or even permanent residents, can vote. In fact, there were four amendments to the Constitution that, while expanding the right to vote, as in the 15th, 19th, 24th, and 29th Amendment, they all still include the word citizen. And yet we know illegals are indeed voting, most especially in blue states, an important constitutional breach Republican leaders have yet to address or even seem to want to address. And while the Constitution gives the states under Article uh, 1, Section 4, Clause 1, the right to choose the, quote, times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof. It says not a word about extending the time frame by which votes are cast, harvested, and or counted. In fact, in regards to federal elections, which includes the federal midterms, the Constitution states there is to be a designated election day, as in, quote, the Tuesday next after the first Monday in November, thus setting a real deadline for voting. Simply, Craig, there is no mention in the Constitution to an election week or an election month, as the U.S. Constitution clearly states that votes are to be cast within a single day and that said votes are to be counted by the end of a given deadline period, no matter extensions for suddenly or for suddenly turning up late ballots. And while mail-in ballots per se are not addressed, the constitutional time frame regarding casting one's vote on a single day should apply here as well, for no form of voting is more rife with tampering and fraud than is 
mail-in ballots. Well, that's certainly the truth. I mean, the mail-in ballot system is a vehicle for fraud. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, you just have to look at it that way because that's the way it is. But looking back at recent elections or, you know, let's, let's go back to, uh, you know, 2008, 2012, uh, mm-hmm. 16, 20, you know, now 22. And, and the, and some of those, um, midterm elections that fell in between those, those general elections. Has the plan that you've laid out been followed? No, not at all, because we all know that in recent elections, the Constitution's words have not been applied, let alone been enforced, as our elections have become a free-for-all cheat fest. Folks are indeed voting illegally, and in some cases multiple times, and more so than not, it's being done in blue states, while election officials in those states look away, what with the Democrats' quest for power being allowed to override the rule of law that is the Constitution. So I say back to the Constitution we go. And with that, in-person voting is done on Election Day alone, no early voting allowed, and that mail-in ballots are only for the infirm, the housebound, the military, and young citizens away at out-of-state colleges and universities. Simply, if you cannot give up one day to do your civic duty, maybe you shouldn't be voting at all. And the whining that I'll miss work or whatever no longer holds true, as most both businesses do give time off to vote. And maybe here alone is one place where a constitutional amendment is needed, stating that on the day designated as Election Day, that all polls must remain open until everyone in line is given their chance to vote. This would cut down on the fraud committed, courtesy of both mail-in and early votes cast. Also, in today's age of computers, there is absolutely no reason why votes cannot be tallied within a single 24-hour time frame. Voting in person on Election Day tends to leave little chance of fraud being committed, especially if the rule of law would dictate that everyone voting must present proof via ID that they are a citizen and of age to vote. You do need proof to open a bank account or even to secure a credit card or a driver's license. So why is ID deemed racist or voter suppression when asking for ID to vote? Simply it's not, except for those determined to commit fraud by whatever means possible, and for those condoning and even encouraging such fraud to be committed in order for Democrats to stay in power. Simple solutions to what has now allowed our beloved America to become but a laughingstock on the world stage. For the home of the free and the land of the brave now sees the sanctity of the vote, the very thing our brave men and women in uniform gave their lives to protect, being but fodder for late-night comedians and uber-leftist politicians, now joyously heralding the fall of our American Republic. May she sadly rest in peace. Case closed. You know, I, your solution makes all the sense in the world, which is why it'll never happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I hate to be that cynical, but I mean, that's really the case. Um, follow the Constitution, for crying out loud. How hard can that be? Well, apparently, it's awfully tough because 
Democrats don't like the Constitution, and the Republican elite over the years have just turned a blind eye to any malfeasance regarding the Constitution. Well, you know, those uh, Republicans that are allowing that to happen, they really have the designation as rhinos. That's true, but but nonetheless, the, you know, they like, oh, move along, there's nothing to see here. I mean, you can almost hear Mitch McConnell saying that. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. You know, we have so gotten away from the Constitution in all manner of our governance. And that's the problem with a lot of what's going on today. The Constitution, which was designed to be the law of our land, is now just a side note to the whims of Democrats, woke nonsense, and other assorted nonsense. Nobody is looking to the Constitution anymore. No, and it's sad because that, like you say, is the law of the land. Exactly. You know, that That's what this entire country is based on. Without that, we have no foundation whatsoever. Exactly. And that's sadly what it's turning down to. Our foundation has been corrupted. You know, Our foundation what, is shaky right now. What about making every election day, that's once every two years, for those keeping track, a national holiday? You don't have to work. So you don't have to worry about missing work. You just go vote. Well, how about, no, it's not a holiday, really. Make it a civic duty day. Well, yeah, but I, I use national holiday as a, a catch-all. You know, right. I mean, it's it's it has the same effect as a national holiday. Nobody goes to work. Right. Okay? Um, I mean, th- this can't be that tough. You know, if you can't give up one day to vote, the very thing our men and women in uniform gave their lives to protect, maybe you shouldn't be voting at all. Well, and and how did we get to where we are now? Because you go back 20 years, we were all voting on one day and that was that. Right. Now it takes weeks and maybe a month to do an election? Come on. Well, a lot of this, Craig, started around the time Obama announced his run you know the first black president which he's not you know he's the first mixed race president but a lot of this nonsense started with him and then it moved on and and became the cancel culture and woke and it's it's like a domino downfall of the constitution but you bring up the constitution you bring up voter integrity to a bunch of Democrats, and, and they'll call you a seditionist. Right. They'll, they'll say you're trying to destroy democracy, even though we're a republic. They'll, they'll say you're, you're just trying to destroy democracy and suppress the vote. Well, you know, that's what they said when Georgia passed some, some voting laws a, a couple of years ago. And Georgia's had record voter turnout ever since. They said, well, that's going to suppress the vote. People won't be able to vote. Rump, 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 rump. Well... They've got more voters now voting than they had before, so I don't see how that's suppressing anything. It's not suppressing anything. But the thing is, voter ID is extremely important because of the word 
citizen, which is mentioned numerous times in the Constitution. Citizens are given the right to vote. We have illegals voting. We have residents voting. We have temporary residents voting. We have everybody voting but true citizens. You got dead people voting. There's no way of proving who you are. Now, my state of Florida, we have always had to show voter ID. And in fact, we've had to um, sometimes double it if it's questioned. We've had no problem. Look at our voter turnout in 2020. So all this nonsense about, oh, you're doing voter suppression, you're taking away the vote. No, you're not. You're giving the vote back to what the Constitution says the vote should be done by citizens of the United States. Of course, you got some downhill problems with, you know, the voter ID thing. Um, and and primarily that's that we're, we've got too many blue states giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens. And, well, and you got no, no, like no, California's no. motor voter law, you know, where you, you go in to get a driver's license, they automatically sign you up to vote. Yeah, but you can you can tell by the date on these things if somebody really is a citizen or not. Well, they gotta come I up mean, with a way to, to clearly denote that somebody is or is not a citizen, like on a driver's license, you know. Um but that's not that hard to do. No, it's not. You know, I mean. It's not. There should be a box maybe on your driver's license that you check off, citizen or non-citizen. It it could be that simple. But because it's that simple, you know, they need to study it and throw money into uh, studies and all sorts of crap. That's, That's why I say, because it's so simple, they'll never do it. Right, but the problem is we're never going to have voter integrity, let alone sanctity, until we go back to the Constitution. You're you're 100% right. You're absolutely 100% right. But the the liberals, because they thrive on voter fraud, will never allow it. Right. Right. No, they won't. No, they won't. Well, here's a fast little update on Georgia, Craig. Herschel Walker is now at 44.6%. Warnock is at 55.4%, basically a 10-point spread. The state of Georgia is mostly filling in red, except Walker is losing all the big populated areas. Well, those are all the big blue areas in the state of Georgia, you know. Right. So there you go, folks. We don't see the election going for Walker, another Trump pick, and that does not bode well for Trump either. No, it's it. You know, and I, you know, look, I understand that a lot of Trump's picks won. Okay, but a lot of those were in uh, places where you would one hundred percent expect a Republican to win. Uh, right, and, a lot and, of them were in local, little local type races. Yes, his track record on the national level it has not been good for the midterms. If you look at the key races, the ones we really had to win, it, it, it hasn't come through. 
No, and it's not going to come through in Georgia, according to the maps I'm looking at now and the counts I'm looking at now. And again, a lot of this is due to allowing early voting, the dead voting, the multiple votes. There is no longer integrity in our election process because we also have the all-important tabulation the tabulators, the machines that tabulate, changing votes while they're in the machines. You know, the left can deny that all they want, but it's true. But we see it. You know, we see it. That's the thing. Exactly. You you left out one major demographic of voters in in, in you know, what you just said, though. Who? Dead people voting multiple times. I said dead people. You said people voting multiple times, and you and said I also dead said people. De- I said the but, dead. But, but you didn't say dead people who vote multiple times. Oh, okay. Excuse that's, me. That's, that's an important demographic, because I guarantee you there's a lot of dead Republicans that cast four, five, six, or maybe ten Democrat ballots. So, oh, I can guarantee it. <laughs> you know, uh, you can't leave that demographic out. Right. Right. That's true. Well, um, it, it's a good article, folks. It's a good op-ed. And uh, it's under the title, Voting Sanctity and Integrity Lost. And what you do to go and get that is you go to Diane's blog at thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com. Or you can go to rspradio1.com. Either place, you can find the the link to that article. You can read it for yourself. You can see how simple the solution is. And why not share it with other people? Because the more people that understand how easy this could be, maybe the more people get a fire lit under their butt and do something about it. The problem is we've become a nation of sheep on both sides. We like to talk, but very few people actually do the walk and get out there and help to make change. That's a fact. You know, we Sad do what fact. we can. Yeah, we do what we can from, from our end of things. Right. You know, and this is one of the things we tell you, folks. You know, you, you get to an election year, whether it's a midterm or a general, and everybody gets all hopped up and they go out and they vote and they do whatever. But then they take the next two years off. They just sit back and and watch what happens. You got to stay involved. Right. You know, that's the key. And that's what our founders and framers expected of us. And we should not be letting them down. Yeah, no. And and we are. But uh, I'm looking at more and more Georgia um, returns. I'm going to call it as a loss. Yeah, I think I'm right about there. You know, we'll, we'll keep an eye. we got one more segment to go, so we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, we'll give you our final thought on that at the end of the next segment. But right now, I think it's too big of a hill to climb for Herschel Walker. Yeah, especially because there's so many blue counties left. That's the problem. Right. Folks, why don't you just stay with us? We got that one segment left, but we got to take a top of the hour break here, get in a couple of station IDs. When we come back, more regarding the 2022 midterm election, as I take it with, oh, the wonders of technology. Stay with us. There's more Right Side Patriots 
after this. Hi guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, Check out The National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor, getting you through a Tuesday night edition of the show, and thank you for making us part of your evening. We appreciate that. Yes. All right, Diane, so like I said before, we both took on the midterm election. We come at it from a slightly different standpoint now. Um, I, I I just want to say I I wrote this piece with all seriousness in mind. Huh. Okay. okay. <laughs> you as folks, can seen, as can be seen by your illustrations, very serious. Very serious. Very serious. And and folks, if uh, if you know anything about this show and and the way I write, sometimes. That means buckle up. We're going on a snark fest. Oh, the wonders of technology. Look, we can trace the technology itself back to before there were even humans. It doesn't seem like much today, but back then, it was literally cutting edge. Pre-humans, maybe as far back as three million years ago, developed the technology to make stone tools that they could use to cut, scrape, and pound on things. The fact that we find such ancient tools from time to time means that back then you didn't need to buy the extended warranty. Those were built to last. Evidence of burnt material can be found inside of caves used by Homo erectus as far back as 1.5 million years ago, which tells us that pre-humans had developed the technology to start fires. 
That, of course, eventually led to the Neanderthal Lives Matter movement, which was replete with arson and looting and general mayhem. Somewhere between 20,000 and 15,000 years ago, mankind saw what was the first technological revolution as people started living in large groups, stopped scrounging for food, and started planting crops, started using clay and variations of clay to make vessels to hold things, and bricks that they could throw at riots. This was apparently also about the time people started to weave fabrics and make clothing from those fabrics, but perhaps the greatest achievement of those times was the invention of the wheel. Diane, the invention of such things, along with the invention of the wheel, made it possible for people to get gussied up, drive themselves to the nearest brick-fired pizza place for dinner, and a vessel of vino before heading off for an evening of general debauchery. Well, the invention of the wheel really had an effect on agriculture more than anything. People don't realize that, but it had very strong influence on agriculture, on crops and such. Well, yeah, I mean, we see the very first evidence of irrigation for, you know, crops about roughly 8,000 years ago in ancient Mesopotamia and along the ancient Nile River Valley. It was way a way to move water from where the water was to where it wasn't. And without it, Mike Lindell would not be annoying us with Giza sheet commercials every <laughs> 7 to 14 minutes. I can't stand him anymore. (laughs) In order to get away from ancient Giza sheet salesmen, man invented sailing roughly 8,000 years ago in ancient Egypt. And while not everybody had both their oars in the water, that problem was soon solved with the invention of sails. It's believed that the first sails were invented by ancients when a pair of robust granny panties were hoisted on a pole attached to a barge on a laundry day which resulted in three of the pharaoh's concubines all of his wife's delegates and a cat finally drifting to shore three miles from the place where they started the palace when the wind eventually died down now that episode led to the invention of the rudder which was the bright idea of a teenage trans woman swimmer who couldn't win a race because he, she kept swimming in circles. And naturally, that led to the eventual invention of the bathing suit. Diane Copper and tin were not easy materials to find in the Bronze Age, but the production of iron seemed pretty easy to make, which became the technology that ended the Iron Age. Now, people wore wrinkled cotton clothing until the advent of the polyester age, but that said, the technology that led to iron tools led to the creation of hovel depots because everybody wanted cheaper tools for fixing things up around the house. Well, around, you know, that time, maybe a little bit later, some interesting things were happening in China when they were looking for one thing but discovered something quite different. And nobody has really ever quite explained to me exactly how one led to the other because they're two very 
opposite ends of the scale. Yes, but I would al- say so. Alchemists in China at about 850 AD, while looking for elixirs to extend human life, stumbled upon gunpowder, which ironically led to shorter lives, as a little seems to go a long ways, but they didn't realize that right off. Now, here's a piece of technology that has come in pretty handy for a good long time, the compass. The compass was invented in about 1044 AD by the Chinese when somebody got the bright idea of using a piece of magnetized iron shaped like a fish and a bowl of water that would always point to the north so that soldiers could find their way back on dark, cloudy nights. It wouldn't be until the invention of common sense that the Chinese army stopped wondering why they were always being attacked from the south. It wasn't until the mid-13th century that the mechanical clock, a fine bit of technology, came into being in Europe. The mechanical clock was used in cathedrals to let people know exactly when they could count on taking a one-hour nap every Sunday. Man invented such technology as the movable printing press in 1455, the steam engine in 1765, and railways that used steam engines to pull rail cars full of people reading things printed on printing presses in 1804. The steamboat came along in 1807, which made it possible to get from New York City to Albany in just 32 hours, much faster than the four days it used to take on a laundry barge flying Granny's bloomers without a transgender he-she to steer it. Technology, Diane, really took off in the mid-1800s with the inventions of the telegraph in 1844 and the telephone and the internal combustion engine in 1876. The electric light was invented in 1879 and the automobile in 1885. Well, wasn't there another um, sort of light bulb moment? That happened within a few years after what you just previously mentioned? Sure, the electric light in a phone booth used to call the auto club in the dark of night was invented in 1880. Marconi invented the radio in 1901 to drown out people trying to sing in their cars at stoplights. In December... On the 17th in 1903, Wilbur got Orville off the ground in the first airplane. Between the two brothers, they made a total of four flights that day, traveling between 120 feet on Orville's first flight and 852 feet on Wilbur's last flight. Their descendants continue to look for their luggage. In 1926, Robert Goddard launched the very first liquid-fueled rocket, From his aunt's farm in Auburn, Massachusetts, Goddard's rocket soared 41 whole feet into the air, scared the crap out of the chickens and his aunt, and returned to Earth with a thud. Very few people got to see it because television wasn't invented until 1927. Now that's when Philo T. Farnsworth used technology to build the world's very first television using an electronic system to scan and assemble an image several times every second and then transmit that image to a small round glass screen. It was the image of a horizontal line. 
Yes, it seems pretty stupid, but some people stared at it transfixed for nearly an hour. Naturally, you now wonder how anybody could stare at something that bone-crushingly mindless for an hour. But remember, Diane, there are people today who watch The View. So, Okay, well, at this point, you know, you've named some pretty uh, what we call mundane items. Now, wouldn't you say it gets kind of interesting from this point on? Yeah, things kind of start to pick up, I think, in 1939. Iowa State mathematician and physicist John Antonsoff worked his ass off and designed the very first electronic digital computer. Now, it would use binary numbers, base 2, in which all numbers are expressed with the digits 0 and 1, and its data would be stored in capacitors, and oh my, what that would lead us to. My oh my. The atomic bomb in 1942 and eventually nuclear power, the transistor in 1947, space flights in 1957, none of it possible without the electronic computer, but it did not end there. The first electronic computer in 1939 led us to the personal computer in 1974, and Vinton Cerf and Robert Kahn produced the TCP-IP, the Transmission Control Photo Photocall Internet Protocol, and Al Gore had nothing whatsoever to do with it. TCP-IP became the basis for how data is transmitted over the internet and the creation of the IP address by which you are probably being tracked right now while listening to this commentary. What we've seen, for better or worse, since technology gave us the internet has been absolutely staggering. We have rovers and a helicopter exploring Mars, a telescope a million miles from Earth, Looking back to the very beginning of time itself, we have cars that can drive and park themselves. We have cloned animals. We have medical technology that can fix defective genes and robots that can perform complex surgical procedures. Consider this. Right now, Diane, you have a device that fits into the palm of your hand that can connect you to everything the Internet has to offer. That device can be used to send text messages, take pictures and videos, tell you what time it is and the temperature of where you are or of any place on the planet at any given moment. With that very device, you can literally tell it verbally where you want to go and it will pop up on a screen, an active map showing exactly where you are and track your movements until you get where you want to be, and then it tells you out loud that you have reached your destination because it connects to satellites in orbit around the Earth. Now, isn't there some other applications for that device that are quite interesting and funny at the same time well there sure are with that device you could be sitting on your couch in butt squeak florida and call Domino's in bend oregon order a pie and wings for your friends there and pay for it and their dinner will be delivered in 30 minutes or less given that and given all the leaps and bounds in technology we have seen throughout history 
It still takes a bunch of yahoos in California 21 freaking days to count up the votes from a single election. And they say they're doing everything they can to get it done in a timely manner. I'm frying chicken with air (coughs) in a matter of a few minutes and baking potatoes in six minutes by pushing a couple of buttons. And it takes 21 days to count votes in California. There is a pre-Neolithic tribe, the Sentinelizese, and they live on a remote island. They're the most remote tribe on earth. They live on that island beyond India's eastern coast and completely fiercely reject all external human contact and technology. They'll kill anybody who comes onto the island, literally. Technology, the Sentinelese and they are about 50,000 years behind the rest of the world. Okay? And yet they can count faster than the damn Californians. Blue <laughs> states, you've got two years to figure it out. Learn how to count or quit running for office. Now, I'll have to leave it there because my doorbell just sent me a live real time video of the UPS guy dropping off the antique abacus I ordered on eBay on my phone three days after the November 8th election. Still faster as a way to count than they're aware of in freaking California. <sighs> Diane, how can we possibly have all this technology? How can man for and, and pre-man for three million years have engaged in technology and we can't count votes? No. We can't. Well, you know, it's not called pre-man. It's called early man. Remember, evolution is at play here, guys. Well, I'm talking about pre-humans. Right. Well, not only did we evolve, you know, humankind, but our technology has evolved to such a point we're getting ready to go back to the moon and, and head off to Mars and beyond. But we still can't vote count votes for almost a month i know i know it's 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 nuts here it's insane i mean we've we've gone from stone tools to fire to iron age to you know from bronze age to iron age we invented sailing as human beings Mm -hmm. you know the the telephone the light bulb i mean the the automobile I mean, like I say in the in the commentary, the list just goes on and on, but you people need to be aware of it. You need to be aware of what mankind has accomplished. And then ask yourself why it takes a month to count the votes. I mean, in France, for God's sakes, they eat snails and they count all their votes in one day. Well, what gets me when I think about the technology, I think back to the early days of NASA in the 50s when the space race was heating up with the Russians and the computers were literally the size of a city block. Now a computer can fit in the palm of your hand, an iPhone, an Android, you know, that type of thing. But we still can't count the votes. I know. I know. My phone knows where I am at any given moment. Exactly. California, so does uh, social one, media. <laughs> California counts one eeny, meeny, miny, mo, two. Oh, I lost my place. What the hell is wrong with you, California? 
Yeah, you did lose your place, but... Uh, <laughs> I mean, good heavens. You know, I, I mean, just count. Just count. It, it, it's not that hard. We've got technology that will count for you. Right. I mean, for right. God's sakes. But it, it doesn't do it doesn't do any good. Let me just interject one thing. Newest update, Walker forty seven point one, Warnock fifty two point nine. He's closing it to within a five point, but with only really a handful of counties left, I really don't think he could even yeah, I'm know, just, overtake I, that. I'm just not seeing it. I mean, right now they've counted about it's close. It's it's closing in on two million 51% votes. Fifty one percent have been counted. Yeah, they've they've counted up about roughly two million votes. Uh, and, and again, we don't know how many of those are dead people who voted multiple times. The uh, demographic that Diane left out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, for now, now answer me this, Diane. You're, you're the smartest person in the room. I assume you're in the room alone? Yes. Okay. Answer me this. Why did it take a week to count California, and they're, yet they're this far along counting Georgia tonight? Probably what the hell? Because, well, because, you know, there are so many illegals in California, they probably, at this point, outnumber the citizens. So it was just kind of a given before the first vote was even cast. You know, now I, I understand, you know, on, on November 8th, all that way back there, almost a month ago, they had a lot more stuff on the ballot in Georgia than they have on the ballot tonight. They got two names right. tonight, right? Um, right. But, but nonetheless, they used to be able to count all those votes in a matter of a couple of hours. And yet in, in the state of Georgia on November 8th, they didn't finish counting on November 8th, 9th, or 10th. Right. Well, you know what's interesting about this as I'm looking at the map and Georgia is uh, county wise, it's predominantly Republican, um, just numbers wise. And I look back to how our founders and framers divvied out senators and congressmen and, and whatever. We now are actually doing what our founders and framers didn't want. We are allowing the big cities, which less counties, whatever. We are allowing residents in big cities to dictate to suburbia, to rural areas, to country areas, to ranches, to farmlands. We are allowing our big cities to dictate who will be in office. I know. It's terrible. It's very bad as far as I'm concerned. So with a five-point margin now, do you see any pathway for Walker to win this? No. I, I'm really questioning whether there is, is such a pathway. No, because they still have the county surrounding Augusta, which is all blue. Um, Atlanta has come in solidly for Walker. Um, the ones that are left, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, probably about ten counties left. And while, uh, maybe 
five of them will be red and five will be blue. I really don't see a way yeah. to make for him to make up a five point deficit. No, not not this late in the game. No, I, I'm just not seeing it. But then again, I said from day one he's not going to do it. He you know, he was not a good candidate. He had too much baggage. Not that um, uh, Warnock doesn't, but he had walk uh, walk or Warnock, whatever their names are. There, there was too much baggage in Walker's right. basket, really, to carry to carry this off. Um, Georgia could have done better. They could have had better candidates on both sides. They have a Republican governor. <laughs> And a Republican um, lieutenant governor who is not even supporting the Republican candidate. I know, which I don't understand, but there you go. Yeah. Folks, if you want to have a little fun, you want to have a good laugh, you want to share a good laugh, go to my blog, thenationalpatriot.com, or go to rspradio1.com. Either place, you can get, oh, the wonders of technology, and share the link. And we hope you do that. Uh, if the you missed any, are funny as, as you know anything. I, I had I had a good time when I was uh, illustrating that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, folks, I think we're going to wrap this thing up a little bit early. I know we're five minutes early, but come on, um, you know I'm still getting over my cold, and uh, you know even even now I can feel my voice fading. Okay, yeah, you, you're sounding a little. Um, less intense if you will yeah yeah so you know i think we'll let it go but i i neither diane or i we we can't really see a pathway to a walker victory in georgia tonight and that's too bad um but it it is what it is and you can just chalk this up to another uh, area of malfeasance um and maybe this one isn't due so much to uh, voter irregularities or voter fraud, but you know this this has a lot to do with the old rhinos in the Republican Party uh, just not getting behind uh, Walker and frankly not finding the right candidate to begin with. No, and that's the that's the problem. And I'll go back to something I said from the beginning of the Trump presidency. Who's ever advising him on his picks, whether it be for the cabinet, for office, or candidates, who's ever advising him, I don't think is really on his side. Right. I mean, you got you got to wonder. Just being honest, yeah. you got to wonder. Well, yeah. Diane, what do you say? Okay, I say okay, and see everybody on Friday. Folks, you have a great everybody on Friday. <laughs> yes, you have a great rest of the week. We'll catch up with you on Friday. Bye bye.